Twitters. And I'm Ben Travers, Ben T. Travers on the Twitters. And how are you guys doing? We we can only guess that you're not doing so great because as you listen to this on Monday, last night was Sunday night. It was the night of the, of the debate. And we don't know how it went because we're recording this on Friday because that is the way space and time uh, get warped in our little universe. But we're, we're pretty, it feels like a pretty, ser- pretty safe bet to say that you know, the debate was not necessarily fun. Who fun, a fun time for everyone involved. Uh, ratings prediction, Liz. More people watched this debate than the first one, or less people? I think more. I'm gonna go with less. Really? You bet. Okay, I'm not going sandwich bet on this one. Damn it! I already owe you two sandwiches. Yeah, you do. Where's my Arby's? <laughs> I don't know. It's a Friday. It's been two Fridays now. I want Arby's. I need to go to Hollywood or Inglewood. Move your butt. Well, I have to do other things. Take take a lunch break. I don't have time. When have I ever had time to take a lunch break, Ben? Well, you have to make time because you owe me a sandwich, Liz. I'm not going to live forever without my Arby's roast beef sandwich. Yes, because Arby's roast beef sandwiches are the elixir to eternal life. I mean, how? When was the last time I even had one? It's been it's been months. No wonder your no wonder your powers are weakening. I do feel very weak these days. Like, don't even know why I'm getting out of bed. Wow. It's got dark. I know. <laughs> and we it's have, all about and death. And we barely talked about the election yet. <laughs> all comes back to our impending death, Liz. Uh, I got to get those sandwiches soon because I got to have a reason, reason for living. Yep. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so we're, I'm sorry to even bring up the election, but at this point it's going to be dominating the national conversation. You're sorry for bringing up the election? Our whole podcast is based around it. Yes, but our whole podcast, our topic this week is... We, if you have to face it, you here do. are some ways to deal with it. You do have to face it. There is no if. And if you choose to try to put your head in the sand as much as humanly possible, we have some ideas for you in terms of politically themed shows that maybe perhaps will get you get you by, get help you escape our current political reality and enjoy a different political reality. Or, or I mean, at most, since since these all will relate back to politics, which will all relate back to just just horrible, horrible memories of whatever's going on in the real world based on who's shouting what this week or what horrible insult was tossed at so-and-so or what terrible thing from their past has come up. Uh, This is designed more to alleviate the very real fears surrounding this election and, and take you to either a fictional reality in which you can watch them or to live in the reality you're in, but there's some nice commentators who are gonna, you know, make it a little more, a little more fun, a little more, a little lighter, a little, little just, just better in general. Yeah, I'm sure that you guys, I mean, if you're aware of the fact, aware of the idea of social television, you're aware of the fact that there's some great live tweeting happening right now, especially in the world of debate coverage. And we just have a few recommendations uh, for Twitter accounts that have really stood out over the last couple of weeks in terms of their, com- their you know, up-to-the-minute commentary on uh, what's going on in our in, on the national scene. Yeah, I'm going to get a few of mine out of the way very quickly because they're all related mm-hmm. to each other. Um, basically, anyone connected to the television show Veep, go ahead and follow them. Um, obviously, Julia Louis-Dreyfus at Official JLD. Tremendous Twitter account. She's not overactive, which is kind of appreciated by me, at least, when it comes to politics. Like, I like very sharp observations done selectively, not just kind of blanket coverage over everything. 
Um, some of the West Wing people have definitely taken the blanket coverage approach where they're just constantly mm-hmm. tweeting random whatever comes into their head, especially during the debate. Um, but no, like Julia Louis-Dreyfus, Timothy Simons, um, even the fake accounts, like the real Selena Meyer, her uh, <laughs> at real Selena Meyer, which is the character Selena Meyer from the show, official account through the show's uh, wonderful writers. Just really a lot of fun. Very observational humor, obviously. But, they, they, I mean, they bring in some good elements. I, uh, both Simons and Louis Dreyfus posted a video of uh, compar- comparing a Trump speech to moment in Veep when they were talking about how to pronounce Nevada <laughs> and how he kept screwing it up and life was imitating art, imitating life. Uh, so anyway, great stuff like that. Literally, I mean, David Mandel as well. Anybody connected to Veep is very good to be following right now. Yeah, absolutely. Um, also, uh, this is this is one of my favorite, favorite absurdist uh, Twitter accounts just in general. And it's such a specific sort of humor and it requires a very specific sort of knowledge base. But if you don't follow Riker Googling already, uh, you are missing out on some truly delightful stuff. Uh, Riker, don't you shake your head. This is Star Trek The Next Generation references. Mm-hmm. This is great. Yep. Um, so, so Riker Googling in general is just like meant to be a look at the whatever uh, Commander William T. Riker of the USS Enterprise 1701-D occasionally E. Uh, anyways, it's a look at what he his Google his, Google search history might look like. Um, during the most recent debate, uh, presidential debate, uh, he, the writer of said account recast the d- debate as between uh, Captain Janeway and Gold Ducat from the later era Star Trek shows. And not only does that casting really work in my head for some reason, um, for, for you can probably figure out the obvious corollaries between the two, um, and but the his his actual tweets were really great, like. Uh, lots of stuff about the Ferengi tax plan, that sort of thing. So Riker Googling. Highly recommend. I literally don't understand most of what you just said, but I'm sure it's delightful. How do you not understand anything I just said? Like, I don't. I mean, I know who Riker is. Yeah. That's well, imagine it. a Twitter account that just exi- that just consists of what he might be searching for on Google. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a level of depth that I'm not, All right, not well, able I, to go I, to. I tried to take you down Star into Trek the... Into the... I, that was where you lost me. It's not even a Star Trek thing, a fandom thing. It's just Seems like, like it. I mean, so some of, captains a lot of the, debating. Don't know who they are. You don't know who Captain Janeway is? No. She was the main character of Star Trek Voyager. Okay. Oh my god! <laughs> How do you not know such vital information? She was played by Kate Mulgrew. She's the first female captain in Star Trek history. Well, as a main as a main character of the show, there were of course female captains on the show before then. Useless, absolutely useless. Prove your worth. Demonstrate your value. Um, I can't. The, the leftovers no, isn't on right now. I, I was ta- saying you should name more tw- Twitter. Well, oh, I mean, I have some, but I don't know if it demonstrates my value very well. Um, I, I, I'd highly recommend following Bloom County's Twitter account right now. Really? Um, I adore this cartoon. I always have uh, since it. I mean, even since before I was born, and I was raised on dated material. It's been incredibly insightful in terms of politics. And it continues to be a very effective tool for kind of parody and, and 
just generally lovely humor, especially of the variety we're talking about right now, in that you might need to escape this reality for a little bit. And they talk about that need and satisfying that need in very effective ways, usually involving, you know, a patch of uh, dandelions. But, you know, you got to do what you got to do. So I I would strongly recommend, again, it's at Bloom County. They're not great at actually doing it every day, but they'll pump out as many of those cartoons as you pretty much need. So highly recommend. Berkeley Breathed, hero. Yeah. Hero. Beautiful. Love him. Yeah. See how I'm supportive and nurturing of your of your passions? Well, I mean, mine have great reasoning behind them. Everyone can understand it. It's yeah. universally relatable. Speaking of universally relatable, uh, there are, of course, some obvious pl- players to mention. Uh, Patton Oswalt, of course, has been a real force of anger and funneled through funneled through comedy uh, in, during this election cycle and especially during the Twitterings. Uh also, unexpectedly, Constance Zimmer was really fun during this most yeah. recent debate, which, I mean, she's a really funny person and a really smart person, but I was, you know, you, I remember we were, we all watched the debate together, quasi, we virtually together in the same Slack channel, and you were constantly p- pulling out tweets from her that were genuinely ca- catching me off guard with how good they were. Yeah, uh, Zimmer's always been really good at Twitter. She seems to very much enjoy uh, connecting with fans that way. And um, she's always been a very socially and politically conscious person, always kind of putting that stuff out there. She is also kind of a blanket coverage kind of tweeter. But um, for the most part, they're so good that they work very well. It's kind of like um, Patton Oswalt, who's an obvious choice as a Twitter account to follow for pretty much anything, um, but especially in during the political <laughs> climate we're trapped in. I literally just mentioned him. Um, no, I, I don't remember that. But uh, <laughs> but no, like that kind of blanket coverage is only acceptable for like very certain people who have kind of reached the level to do it well and not just kind of a train of thought kind of thing. Right. Um, and those two especially. Good yeah. picks. I also um, really like I, – I, it's very, it's a very specific issue that Wesley Snipes has been tweeting about, but I love it. Oh, God, yeah. <laughs> um, Wesley Snipes has been on a bit of a crusade over the fact that Trump bragged about not paying taxes and he went to jail for not paying taxes. And lots of Blade references are coming out as a result of this. And there no, is nothing that delights me so much as discovering that Wesley Snipes is a giant Blade nerd. Yeah, I mean, make the country Blade again was – probably the top for me yes <laughs> how are you gonna beat that you're not gonna beat that probably no. because it's so good uh, um, and also billy eichner billy um, eichner's great pick i mean billy eichner's kind of falls into the category i think of like you know if you make a made a, if you made like a, a top 10 list of tweeters about the election he'd probably be on it on on like the vast majority of those top 10 lists yeah he's a great curveball too just i mean his his humor is always fairly unexpected and in, in kind of what he references so having him all like in there in your feed along with you know kind of the more straightforward stuff that that hits home right it's it's nice it's a nice surprise well and he's also a twitterer that's a word i just used um who i really like because you can hear the him him saying the tweets in his voice you can hear his very specific uh inflection in you know 140 characters which is a really tricky thing to pull off in the long run yeah no absolutely um I will wrap this up on my end with two quick ones. One is Nick Offerman. Um, Nick Offerman is actually <laughs> a pretty great, pretty great, great Twitter account to follow for virtually everything, especially when he starts talking about his woodworking hobbies or sending pics from the the shop that he works out of. But 
uh, in terms of politics, you know, it's it's been pretty delightful to see him engage in a very real way. It's not necessarily as quippy as some of the other accounts, but a lot of the information is pretty valuable. And, and frankly, he's just he's just great. So you just kind of want to stick with it. And I can't go through a segment in which we talk about Twitter accounts and not recommend one very important, substantial, and current Twitter account, which is the We Bought a Zoo Twitter <laughs> account. Spelled with the zoo is spelled with zeros instead of oh my um, god. So when you search for it, don't go to the official account. This is a parody account done by uh, well, I won't reveal who, but a very brilliant man who's also worth following on Twitter. But uh, <laughs> but it's we're not going to reveal. So we're good. not going to tell you who it's he is. So freaking good. You should just definitely follow him on Twitter. Yes, it, it's been dead since the movie came out, but it is still like just revisit it, guys. Yeah. Go back. Have always, always, yeah. We Bought a Zoo has literally been referred to in not just this office, but other offices around the world as some of the greatest short fiction ever published. Um, You have to scroll all the way back to the beginning and then scroll your way forward through about 100, 100, 200 tweets. A lot. It's worth it. It's worth it. It's worth it. Read from the bottom all the way up. Uh, But yes, every, I think... I think the first time you, you you told me about it, I ended up reading the whole thing in the office, and it took like a good 15, 20 minutes. And oh, it, it was, took you longer than that. Yeah, it was one of the most delightful reading experiences of my life. Yeah, it's, um, it's nothing short of a masterpiece. So yes. even though it's definitely inactive and has shown no signs of resurgence, uh, it's worth revisiting. Yes, it, it, it has nothing to do with the 2016 political uh, presidential Just a moment election. of levity and all yeah. of this seriousness. Just something to completely take your mind away from it. Oh, also, there's um, my final one I'm just going to mention is Matt Albee 60. Um, <laughs> yeah. From, uh, you know, the legendary showrunner of Studio 60 on the Sunset Strip. Um, who is, it's, which is a fictional account, of course. Uh, but always, ha- always has a nice curveball on, it, because it essentially takes... The Twitter account is written from the alternate universe where Studio 60 is a real television show that A, really exists and people care about. And the alternate that alternate universe is full of delightful quirks. Yeah. For example, Billy Baldwin is playing uh, Trump on uh, Studio 60 this, w- this week. Perfect. 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 Yeah. Um, so that's kind of, I mean... But that's if you're actually going to pay attention to this election. If you if you can't avoid it, that those are some Twitter accounts that might get you through it. But really what you want to do, I think, is escape to, I think as we think we hinted at earlier, a fictional reality of, or, of sorts. And there are plenty of TV shows that will let you do that, that will take you away from this place and put take you to a better place, hopefully. Maybe not a better place all the time. But it will take you to a different place where politics maybe make a little more sense. Yeah, I mean, if <laughs> well, they may make a little more sense, and they may just be simply more engaging. It may just be something where it's innocent fun or uh, innocent drama, even, and it's still, it's still political. They might be talking about issues that are being talked about right now. Perhaps you can parlay that information into sounding smart at a party when people start talking about the realities of election. But for your own mental health, perhaps it's best to at least take designated breaks from the cycle and the vicious 24-hour news cycle uh, to go into these shows. And I mean, there's an infinite amount of great political shows. I think we're just going to try to mention some of our favorites that you should catch up on. Um, Some of them are very obvious. West Wing. West Wing. Of course. Do it. Even if it's a rewatch for your 10th time, now 
more than ever is a good time to revisit that just in the sense of uh, the hope and the inspiration that you could get from the show as a form of what politics should be, of what this election cycle should be about, and try to remember that when you go to the polls, when you're voting on issues, whatever comes up, try to hold that in your heart. And, and, and I mean, at the very least, you're going to feel better. Yeah, The West Wing is a show about, a show that actually, at the end of the day, believes in the fact, it believes in the idea that American democracy works. And, you know, it's a nice thing to believe in. Because I don't know what kind of other op for, uh, you know options we have. Yeah, you gotta gotta keep gotta keep hope alive. Yeah. Um, and on the opposite end of that, you know, there's Veep. So <laughs> uh, if you want to see some frighteningly real parallels to what's going on, mm-hmm. <laughs> and as we mentioned earlier with the Twitter accounts and the the Nevada parody, uh, I mean, Veep is brutal, and Veep will kind of tear down everything around it and tear you down in the process, in, in a great delightful laughing through it all, laughing through the pain kind of way. I, I, I can't recommend the show enough. I know it's fairly popular, especially with the Emmy wins and you know the prominent casting and how HBO is now available to the masses, but the ratings still aren't where they should be, which mm-hmm. is above Game of Thrones. So again, people, tell your friends, start watching Veep. Or let's say, okay, let's say hypothetically that you want to watch Veep, but and you love the style of it, and you love the execution, but it's just a little too hard for you right now. It's a little too brutal. It's a little too close to home. Well, you are in luck, friends, uh, because I'm going to also call out The Thick of It, which is Armando Armando Iannucci's first TV show. Not first, but uh, it was kind of the prelude to Veep, which was produced in Britain, uh, I believe for Channel 4, which means they had lots of swearing. And uh, I could be wrong. No, it was ITV. ITV or Channel 4, one of those. Uh, point or BBC. I'm blanking on this one. <laughs> Just I'm usually somewhere in Britain. Somewhere in Britain. More importantly, it's on Hulu now, I believe. And the thing about the thick of it is it is very, it's, it's all set in a British politics, but it's, it's, it's basically execution-wise very, very similar to Veep features an amazing cast of improv comedians who are just nailing these awful, vicious lines. Um, Peter Capaldi, who you may know now as the new doctor, from also from a number of other prominent roles, but Peter Capaldi basically chews his way through this show in a manner beyond real description. Just know that nobody swears like Peter, Picall- Peter Capaldi swears on this planet. He is the best at it. We all are second to him, and it's fine. Somebody had to be the best. I'm glad it's Peter Capaldi, and I'm glad there are many seasons of The Thick of It in which we can enjoy that. And uh, and the movie in the loop. Yes, and the movie in the loop. But, you know, that's only one movie, and The Thick of It has many episodes. It's, I mean, it's very true. But, uh, for instance, I think In the Loop is on Netflix, if yes. I'm not wrong. And I know more people subscribe to Netflix than Hulu. So if, you're, if you just want a taste and then a, a very good reason to subscribe to Hulu, among the many... Um, in the loop is a fine place to start even though it it, it was after the show like it came it's it's basically it serves as a sequel yeah it's so it's it's similar to how but you don't need you don't need the earlier stuff to get it or do you don't you, it. you don't need the early stuff to understand what's happening but it will add to it yes yes um another one i have and this is this is basically if you want kind of political flavor to your television but you don't necessarily, you want to go even further than, you know, just Britain. You want to escape even further, perhaps to an entirely different galaxy. Oh, God. 
Um, I'm just saying, uh, Gal- uh, <laughs> Galaxy Quest, good lord. Battlestar Galactica um, was actually a really interesting show on a political level. Stop. <laughs> we're stretching. We're stretching. I, I, I was Googling this in preparation. I saw all these shows listed as quote-unquote political shows, and I'm like, I think that's a stretch, and this is one of them. Um, there were, like, multiple elections during that show. Yeah. And, and it, like, designated survivor. It had to base, it had a designated survivor situation uh, with uh, beginning with the very first episode, which was kind of cool. Uh, so, yeah, if you're enjoying designated survivor, go back and watch Battlestar Galactica. It's basically the same show. <laughs> oh, God. We can't get... We can't get sued for libel on this, right? That's not like a possibility. I mean, we're technically complimenting designated survivors. Well, so. I'm saying this out loud, so is it libel? Oh, or you're right. It's slander. Okay. But it's not. De- also, it's not these, defamatory. These are compliments. So I love okay. both of these yeah. shows. Right. Right. Also, they're also uh, Battlestar Galactica is a dead show, and a dead person can't sue. I don't think that's all right. We got to move on. <laughs> um, Sticking in the realm of, of American-slash-real-world politics, uh, I'm going to recommend the tried-and-true, another encouraging, hopeful beacon of light in our time of need, Parks and Recreation. Yes. Um, I I mean, honestly, if, if you just need quicker, funnier doses of joy than can be delivered through the West Wing, um, like without the heavy political jargon, which is, you know, very enjoyable. Obviously, Sorkin knows how to write that stuff, so it kind of goes down easy. But if you need it in faster bursts, then Parks and Recreation is absolutely the way to go. There have been already dozens of think pieces, some of them sillier than others, about how Parks and Recreation parallels the modern election from Leslie Nope as a stand-in for Hillary Clinton to Paul Rudd's horrible uh, city council run on the show as a stand-in for Trump. But uh, really, you don't have to think about any of that. You can just enjoy the world of Pawnee, enjoy these characters, enjoy the humor, and enjoy the politics, again, at kind of its most grandiose state, like its its peak position. Well, also, I think what's really interesting about bringing Parks and Recreation into this conversation and is that I feel like it's something we don't talk about enough during election cycles, which is the idea that, you know, yes, there are the headliners on the ticket those are that's like the head, those are the headliners that's the big story but so much of politics is local and so much of you know so much of what actually affects us on a day-to-day basis uh, gets decided by people whose names are not known necessarily by the general populace uh, like there's a recent Cal- there's a, the California California um, California uh, state legislature just signed into act into act a, a new bill that is really interesting because it's meant to shut down autograph farms. Like it's meant to basically meet, you know, sh- shut down people faking autographs on products and then selling them. And so now everything that gets sold with an autograph on it has to have a certificate of authenticity. That's a complicated procedure to apply for. But this totally screws anyone who's ever like done a book signing in Los An- in, in California. Like because in order to now say that a book has been signed like you have to have a 10 point certificate of authentication it's worth googling this because it's actually one of those like weird things where it's like somebody passed a bill a well-meaning bill to do one thing and ended up screwing over a ton of other people in the process this has been your political moment but it's just like thinking, email liz at liz at indywire.com it's for yeah, i'll send you the link it's an interesting read it's but it's stuff like that like you know there's a lot of initiatives on the uh a lot of initiatives on the california state ballot this year like what's the pot one what what's the snoop dog one well uh, proposition 64 the one that snoop dog is pretty confident is going to legalize marijuana in california 
64 uh, vote yes. That's a big one. There's one that's going to increase the tax on tobacco by $2. Uh, yeah, vote yes for that too. Yeah. Um, so, but it's, you know, if those issues matter to you, uh, you should care about them. And that's the sort of thing that Parks and Recreation taught us to care about um, by reminding us that a lot of government, a lot of the things that affect our lives on a daily basis are handled by people in, you know, a humble Parks and Recreation office. Absolutely. God yeah. bless them. Yeah. Hopefully they're closer to Leslie Nope than, uh, I can't remember Paul Rudd's name. Bobby Knight. Bobby Newport. Newport. No, Bobby, Bobby Newport. Newport. Yeah. Good job. Bobby Liz. Newport. <laughs> uh, I'm. This is one that might be a little close to home. It certainly kind of felt that way at the time when it was airing, um, and it's interesting to contemplate it now in these in this day and age. But there was a really interesting miniseries that USA aired a couple years ago uh, called Political Animals, and. It's worth spotlighting this one just because of the cast. Here is who is in this in miniseries. Do you remember this at all? Sigourney Weaver. Yes. You got one. That's it. That's all I got. Um, ben, Carla Gugino plays a reporter who's investigating her. Oh, I didn't know that. Um, James Wolk is uh, Sigourney Weaver's oldest son. James Wolk, famous from Zoo. Yes. <laughs> and not great, Bob. Whatever. Sebastian Stan, uh, who's kind of a fangirl idol these days. Hard uh, pass. <laughs> ben doesn't care for Marvel, remember, gentle listener. Uh, but he's Who also, should? He's also, he's also in it. Ellen Burstyn. Oh, is, yeah. There we go. Is, uh, is um, Sigourney Weaver's mom. And Siren Hines. I uh, can't add up age-wise. It just can't. There's no way. I don't know. I'm checking. All right. Uh, ooh, Adrian Pastar, Dylan Baker, Robert Roger Bart, uh, lots of great people in this one, guys. Uh, so it's uh, available now, I believe, through Netflix, and uh, it's a six a six episode miniseries about uh, Elaine Barish, a divorced for, former first lady and governor of Illinois, as well as the current Secretary of State. Um, they, which may or may not bear some resemblance to Hillary Clinton. Um, 17 year age gap between Burston and Weaver. So technically it could have happened. Um, and uh, Ellen Burston's character was a, a former showgirl in Las Vegas. Uh, so, you know, stuff could have happened. Uh, point is, is that this was, if you're looking for something obscure that you haven't watched before, maybe check this one out. It was created by Greg Berlanti, who's of course now one of the kings of television. Uh, and, you know, he always, you can never, you. You can say a lot of things about Greg Berlanti television, but one of the things you can always say about the, his shows is that they're very watchable. Like they're very, they're, they don't drag. They have real, real movement to them, and always a, a real spot of you know life, spark of life. That's the word I want to use. Sure. I like that you just kind of go along with me sometimes when yeah. you're not actively ridiculing my choices. I haven't seen a lot of Greg Berlanti shows, so I can't I can't come down on you too hard. Nor can I support it too fully. Uh, what I can support fully, though, uh, is South Park. And this is your <laughs> da- what should be daily reminder that South Park is still on and you should still be watching it. Because it's still one of the best shows on TV. It's absolutely of the moment, strikingly original each week. Uh, very passionate from start to finish and just incredibly tight. Like every single episode they do is <laughs> at the very least enjoyable at the most absolutely brilliant and some of the best political commentary out there, uh, including the 
<laughs> the fact that they don't even have, they won't even name the candidates. They won't even. I was going to ask, how are they thing. actually handling the election? They're handling the election by having, um, I mean, not Hillary Clinton. I can't remember if she's turd sandwich or. Oh God. Oh, South Park. Such a a master of subtlety, that show. Yeah, one of them's turd. One of the candidates is only referred to as the turd sandwich, and the other one is, um, oh, God, I feel so bad for not knowing this. Something like douchebag or, or, I can't remember it. Anyway, um, Mr. Garrison is running as a de facto Trump. He steps in as somebody who doesn't know what he's doing and is unqualified, but nevertheless gains the support of a lot of of conservative voters because he is just – He's of the people. He knows what he's saying, and, and they're refreshed by his, you know, uh, how fed up he is with the political system and how he came from uh, an inexperienced place instead of a very experienced political background. And the argument against the turd sandwich is that she just she nobody likes her. Why would you vote for a turd sandwich? I just I just look at her. I don't like her. And there's more to it than that. They have very nuanced, uh, brilliant arguments week in and week out. Uh, but they cover the race in very specific ways each week because they're so quick to make these like they make these in a very short amount of time um and there's always these stories that go up about how they barely got it on the air that night because x y and z went wrong or just one thing was coming in late or the sound wasn't working and then they figured it out and it was it's a great show that you need to be keeping up with and it's one of those things that again it detaches you from the world just enough but it keeps you in it with a discussion so you're kind of allowed to have a bit of a breather without, you know, fully taking yourself out of the uh, the political climate we find ourselves trapped in. Hmm. Interesting pick. That's, I mean, honestly, yeah. of, of any of these on the list that you absolutely should be watching week to week, it's this one. Well, week to week, certainly. Because, I mean, the value, the value in watching South Park at this stage is the fact that it's in re- reaction to what's happening right now. Yeah, and it's still, I mean... Of the shows we've listed, it's definitely one of the best. Hmm. Okay. Um, I'm also... Inarguably one of the best Elizabeth staring daggers at you right now. (laughs) I'm being so good. Um, I'm just going to quickly shout out as well for The Good Wife, just because I always liked... Of of all the things that The Good Wife did really well, uh, one of the best things was kind of having a... A cynical approach to politics that for some reason wasn't like completely disheartening it was essentially like a very grounded in the real world sort of approach to the realities of you know candidacy and so forth and you know also watching Eli Gold as played by Alan Cumming run around like a crazy person yelling at people you know that's that was always quality television yeah yeah so yeah I feel like in, in that one, and The Good Wife was also interesting because it did try to exist in our real world. And it's going to be very cool in January when The Good Wife uh, spinoff returns with Christine Baranski. And, uh, oh, shoot, I'm blanking on her name, and it's the best name. Kush um, Jumbo? Oh, Kush Jumbo? Yeah. I have to double check that because I, I can't get that wrong. It is Kush Jumbo. Yeah. Oh, wonderful name. Chris Jumbo, who's actually just really good, um, and so it's going to be great to see uh, see see the show back and probably tackling what the current political climate um, in in the way that only that show only those creators can. Yeah, yep, yep. Note yep. how I didn't mention Brain Dead, Ben. 
Oh my god. Yeah. Hey, I got a lot of love. A lot of uh a lot of love from some high places. I have a lot of respect for Brain Dead. I just haven't watched enough of it to I, I, I fell behind and I didn't catch up and so someday I'm gonna finish watching Brain Dead. I'm sure I'm gonna find it delightful. You have to watch that on CBS All Access. Is that no, it's fortunately CBS does have its deal with Amazon Prime for certain shows. Oh okay. So it's available on Amazon Prime. That's good to know. Praise be. Yeah, and um there's a few others, obviously, that are out there, like House of Cards and obviously The Newsroom, which is another inspirational one, even though it's a little more cynical. You could go as far as to go with, like, Homeland and stuff. But I will say that in terms of if you absolutely want nothing to do with politics right now, if you want to go to the you know, voting booth, vote, and be done with it because you know exactly what you need to do, you've researched the issues, you've done your part as a patriot and a, a loyal American citizen – then there are things that are happening right now, Liz, that could take you completely out of politics in general. You could just be watching baseball right now. As we speak, I'm watching baseball on this wonderful screen over here. And it's 4-0 Cleveland. They're beating the Red Sox. I don't know how to feel about that. It's the American League. I don't really care. They're all a bunch of cheaters. But, uh, you know, if you sit down and watch that, literally I can watch it all day today. Don't have to engage with anything else. There's no way politics are going to come into this. They don't want, like, Fox and TBS and everybody broadcasting it. They don't want to touch it. So they're going to stay a nice, safe distance. And uh, the other thing that I'd recommend is tracking the Oscar race because it's heating up right now, and there's going to be some wild shit coming out, which has very little to do with our current state of politics, even if there are some social issues that are taking prominence, especially this past weekend. Yep. Everything Ben says is true. I personally cannot wait to watch some baseball tonight. Yeah, you would. You devil woman. Trying to curse my cubbies. I'm telling you, I'm the cur- I'm going to curse the Giants. That's you, how curses work. You don't understand how curses work, Liz. You can't talk to a Cubs fan and then tell me how curses work as someone who's won three titles in the last six years. I'm just saying, anytime I watch a Giants game, they lose. Anytime I don't watch a Giants game, they win. Like the er- story. <laughs> it's not how curses work when anytime you watch one team they lose and anytime you watch another team they lose and then those two teams play each no, other. No, it's any team I root for. You watch Cubs games and they lose. We've experienced yes, this. Yes, because We've I gone was rooting for them to win because I wanted you to stop being a mopey Gus. Mm, that doesn't sound like you. you. You've literally used the expression <laughs> that everything that brings you joy brings me pain. So I don't know if I can abide by that in, in your heart of hearts. It, it, it's different with the Cubs because the Cubs actually seem to matter to you. Yeah, I know. I put all of my all of my emotional health into the basket of something that I was absolutely out of my control, and I'm pretty sure that's doctor recommended, right? I mean, that's yeah. got to be like a good thing. That's in just the long basic. Run. That's like therapy 101. Oh, good. Okay. I, I mean, I keep checking on this because for some reason it seems a little bit suspect, but everybody tells me it's good. Yeah. See, there you go. So cope with drinking and cope with sports. That's the only way to mental bliss. You are from the Midwest. I know, right? <laughs> Let's talk about the ranch. Do we have time? No. Damn it. Um, before we move on to um, our best thing, next thing, uh, Emmanuel did send us a lovely email uh, answering a couple, catching up with some questions we've asked over the past few weeks. Uh, he would be very sad to lose, uh, if when we talked about shows that might get, be getting canceled, he'd be very sad to lose Jane the Virgin. And he really, he really connects with that show. Um, and he also uh, was a big fan of You're the Worst. Uh, but he... He notes that I think FX wants to keep it as long as the creator wants, which certainly a season four renewal halfway through season three is a good indication of that. Um, and he wants he does watch the Emmys, uh, 
but he hasn't watched any new network shows from this fall, at, except he though he is planning to check out Speechless. Good. Yes, good choice. Which is, a good, which is a good pick. It's still good. And he did have one question for Ben, which is, why doesn't Ben like American crime? And I referred Emmanuel to my three separate articles on American crime and why its absolutely blacker-than-black view of society is just impossible. And actually, that's a very poor choice of words, considering the minorities showcased by that yeah, show, which ben. is a great thing. But it's just so dark. Like, everything that everything bad that can happen will will happen— they believe the worst in people. They keep promoting the fact that people will do the worst thing they can do, which to me is the opposite of the solution. You should be talking about the best of society, and you should be acknowledging that bad things happen, but not advocating that that's what will happen if you choose to believe in other people or believe in the better. Just yes. believe in the good. So that leaves me, Ben, what was <laughs> – Ben, what should our question for this week be? Oh, God. Um What's your political coping? What's your what's your coping mechanism for dealing with this election? Maybe you have maybe you gentle listener have a tip that we haven't yeah, what, figured out. What's your pop culture related coping mechanism okay. for this political season? Yeah, we don't want to hear about fight clubs. Yeah, don't don't tell, don't, don't, don't tell don't, us about your fight clubs. Don't because, tell us anything real, guys. We are TV reporters. We cannot deal with real world issues beyond talking about politics in terms of television. So please. Keep that in mind. Don't get too real with us. We can't handle it. Yeah. But if you if there is something that you're finding really reassuring this election cycle, uh, we'd love to hear about it. And so that's Liz at IndieWire.com and Ben at IndieWire.com. And in the meantime, Ben, what was the best thing you watched last week? Uh, the best thing I watched last week is easily the a prime example of what I've been advocating in most of this podcast, which is happy, joyous positive, light-filled television. You know, just stuff that's going to bring you up, 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 talk about the best of society. And um, it's called Divorce. Starring Sarah Jessica Parker and Thomas Hayden Church. That was a good good fake out, Ben. Well done. It is a new HBO comedy that is not a comedy. It is a drama. Um, I have seen six episodes of this, and yeah, no. It's, uh, I, saw, I saw a tweet, I think it was by James Posnick, uh, New York Times TV critic earlier, that talked about whether he wasn't, he wasn't sure if he wanted to keep watching Divorce. Oh, what was his parallel? Oh, was this, I think this was Matt Slower's Eyes. Uh, like, it was a bag of, it was like on, a... I gotta look it up. It was, a, it was like a Cracker Jack box full of roaches, and the prize was also a roach. Yeah, I think that is, that might be it exactly. Um, damn it, I'm not going to find this, am I? Well, Matt, Matt Solor's Ice tweets a lot. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that, that, yeah, Divorce is a very good show, though. Um, it's a great show. Like, it's, it's, <laughs> it's one of those shows that honestly, I, I just don't. It's another one that's going to fall into the category of The Leftovers, where I am going to constantly recommend it and tell people to watch it, and then occasionally I will remember to include the clause that, hey, this is not for everybody. This is a show that could be extremely, I don't want to say damaging, because it's it's not damaging, but it could be extremely painful for some people to watch. And at the same time, what you can get from it is incredibly rewarding if you have the right mentality or if you're in the right place in your life or you just you know, have the coping mechanisms or whatever you need to, to dig into it because it's very layered, it's very honest, it's very to the point. They don't give you a lot of bullshit. They go straight to the how, when, and why. Um, but it's still emotionally relevant. Like, they're very present characters. 
They're people who feel very real despite their flaws. And the arguments and the discussion, it's not an easy fix. It's not like this person's bad, this person's good, we're going to root for this person, we're not going to root for this person, we're hoping this happens. You don't know. Like, you hope these people are going to be okay and they can figure out a way to be okay, but you don't know if their path to salvation is by becoming independent and starting new relationships or by getting back together or by remaining independent. Like, there's not an easy solution here, and that feels very important to today's day and age when people are having a lot more emotional intelligence and trying to figure things out, what works the best for them and not what they're being told works the best for them. Yeah. No, I think that's a really interesting way of putting it, especially because, like, one of the things I think the show does really well is have you questioning, you know, hey, you know, there there are times when you watch divorce and you're like, it, maybe it wouldn't be so bad if they worked it out and they they stayed together. Like, there there there's reasons that it might be better if they if they didn't break up. And I feel like, like that's that's so true to you know the basic nature of relationships, where sometimes it's like you know, may, yeah, sometimes sometimes from the outside it's like, wow, that's a toxic situation. Get your ass out of there. And sometimes it really is genuinely heartfelt. It was Matt Solar Sites. I found it. It's. I don't know if I can handle more than one episode of divorce. It's like a Cracker Jack box full of small rocks, and the pri- and the prize is a roach. So, Liz, you did a very good job. Thank you. I, I rock um, and roach is an easy are easy words to confuse. <laughs> right. And uh, moving on, Liz, is there something perhaps innocent or uh, just some fun, nice innocent fun that you could recommend? Well, I've been rewatching Marvel's Jessica Jones. Oh God. Well. that does not qualify. <laughs> no, it does not. <laughs> um, no, I mean, I, this week I've actually been doing a lot of rewatching just because things have been busy. And so I've been focused, you know, it's been more about like keep, keeping up with stuff and then binge viewing 30 Rock and Jessica Jones in the background while I do this stuff. God, 30 Rock's so good. Um, so I will, I will shout, I will take this opportunity to shout out for uh, Sci Fi's Van Helsing, uh, which is this. Weird little vampire drama that's airing Friday nights on Sci-Fi, classic time slot that's brought us so many great shows. That's not sarcasm. <laughs> I love the Friday night, the, the Friday night at 10 p.m. time slot. It's 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 it brings back a lot of fond memories to me. Like Sci-Fi belong, Sci-Fi television on Friday nights is like, I get nostalgic for it because it's like that's when the X Files used to air, that's when Battlestar Galactica used to air. I once dated a guy for three months because Battlestar Galactica aired on Friday nights, and we would that would be our date night. Um, that was a while ago. Uh, but <laughs> what? Battlestar Galactica didn't just end. I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah, I know. Um, but in, in the meantime, uh, Van Helsing is it, the the thing about Van Helsing that's really fun is that it's essentially the showrunner is Neil LeBute, who is a as you may may or may not know is a very noted playwright and independent filmmaker who brings this really interesting theatrical style to it. It's like, it's a, it's a weirdly quiet and intimate show with a lot of, like, a lot of character moments, a lot of scenes that feel like they could be a play. And uh, for some reason, that really works for me. I don't know what it is exactly. It's all it's just like a weird hybrid of things I like. Like, I love cheesy sci-fi uh, supernatural shows, and I love, you know, highbrow, liter- highbrow, the- highbrow theater, and I love apparently this weird combination of the two. Yeah, I've I've only seen uh, bits and teases and scenes and clips and stuff. I haven't been able to sit down with a full episode yet, um, but I really liked what I saw as well, and I like the direction they've talked about taking it in and, and kind of the world that they've presented. So, yeah, I'd, I'd definitely be on board with that one. Yeah, cool. 
I picked something and you agreed with it. That's not that's lovely. It is rare. It is rare. What's the next thing you're looking forward to? Uh, the next thing I'm looking forward to is obviously a Chicago Cubs playoff victory. So go Cubs, go. But in terms of scripted television and stuff that you know can be relied upon, I'm looking forward to a fresh off the boat season three. Oh. I love the show. I really, really. I mean, it's one of the best on broadcast by far. Um, it is. It proves that it's got legs year in and year out so far, and, and I have no reason to believe it'll stop. Uh, the acting core at, at like the family is, is all very, very good. The stories are hilarious. The the timing is wonderful. The chemistry seems to be building. Everything about it is what you're looking for in terms of uh, in terms of comedy, and uh, in terms of family comedy, you know, even better. But yeah. I I'm looking forward to that. It came, comes back tomorrow as you're listening to this. If you're listening on Monday, it airs Tuesdays on. ABC, they really have, you know, figured this family comedy thing out. So give them a shot. You know what's interesting about uh, ABC family comedies? So many of them are based on personal memoirs. True. Which is an interesting, like, thing you don't notice until you someone points it out to you. Could you make the argument that they're an autoristic approach to family TV? No, because they just take... Singular voice? Yeah, maybe. Come, looks scared. <laughs> I can't. I can't go through the whole Stewie thing right now. There, that was, oh, sorry, God. that was a that was a quasi that was us about to descend down the Stewie talks about uh, Brian's novel rabbit hole. That is yeah, a, a, one of the best things that's ever come from Family Guy. Unless you know it word for word, you really shouldn't like recreate the whole thing. It's it's great. Like what Liz just did, obviously got me laughing. Love it. Uh, but I can't continue it. Like I I would continue it if I knew exactly what should come next. But it's yeah. it's too good to. Mess it's too up. good to bastardize. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Liz, next thing for you is? Well, I've got two things. Oh, God. Yeah, you're just ruining it. Like I said, is. that's There's no coming is. back. You can't follow it up with two. That would be R. That, just off. Just not on the same page. I'm I quit. Sorry. Oh. <laughs> took, it took you so long to quit this week. Usually you quit a lot sooner. I'm watching baseball oh. now. <laughs> you're watching a commercial for baseball. No, they're coming back. Yeah. Um, it's, it's just a picture of a statue. No, not okay, now it is. All right, well, Ben's watching baseball. Uh, I just got a, re- a review copy of the Mr. Robot book entitled, actually, let me get the exact title. Um, this is me. Sorry, this is good podcasting material. Um, but it is fs1.91 underscore red wheelbarrow dot text. Um, so this is a... This is, of course, uh, Elliot's notebook from uh, Elliot's notebook as seen in season two, but it's apparently going to be take place between seasons one and two, and uh, it looks like it has answers uh, underneath this shrink wrap, and I'm looking forward to reading it. So That's right. There's a book in this office, and I'm going to read it. You're talking. You ruined my beautiful transition. My nice pitch over to you because you wanted to talk about watching a book. Yes. Great. And the other thing I'm going to mention is, uh, just checking our calendar, um, Then in the next two weeks, we're going to be getting new episodes of Black Mirror. And on the screener site, we have available six. I have seen four of the six. And I've seen half of one of the, the remaining few. And I'm, I had to stop watching because it, it was late at night and it was getting really scary. And I didn't want to not sleep. I wanted to sleep. And so I decided to stop watching and watch later. But it was getting really good scary. So I'm excited for it. I'm excited in general for Black Mirror. I think this is a show that is always really interesting to discuss. Uh, it's got such great big ideas and also such 
really smart, snappy execution. And uh, I feel like it's one of those shows where everyone's going to have like their favorite episodes, uh, their favorite you know standalone stories. And I can't wait to hear what people have to say about it. Me too. Yes. So you'll be able to read all about that and more on IndieWire.com, where you find reviews, interviews, features, all sorts of fun stuff uh, that relates to the worlds of television, film, and beyond. And if you want to really hone in on that film world, make sure you listen to uh, our wonderful people, Eric Cohn and Ann Thompson, over with Screen Talk. Um, again, Oscar race heating up. I know they've just had a, what from what has been described to me on Twitter, as a very, I think it's, they said intense, debate about uh, the birth of a nation. So if you want to hear Ann and Eric go back and forth on that, which you absolutely do, I can guarantee it, even without hearing it, uh, make sure you tune into Screen Talk. And if you need a little bit more TV in addition to what we've been giving you since, I mean, Liz just talked about a book, um, <laughs> make sure you listen to Turn It On with our own Michael Schneider. He's talking about, uh, actually, he's, he's interviewing guests, uh, writers, actors, creators, producers, celebrities in general, uh, all related to TV that is airing right now. So stuff that's on this week uh, that you need to be aware of. Uh, we've also got our lovely Liz Shannon Miller as well as Han Nguyen uh, reading great essays from IndieWire.com. And occasionally Michael will talk to me about <laughs> about random TV shows that also need to be made aware of, like Divorce. Mm-hmm. So uh, turn it on uh, and do that. Turn, yeah. on, turn on, turn it on. Please do. I need a better phrase for that. Yeah. You, 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 while you work on that, uh, you can follow Ben. Well, Ben works on that. Follow him on Twitter at Ben T. Travers. Follow Liz on Twitter at Lizlet. That's with an I and an E. Correct. We'll be back next week. And in the meantime, you guys, keep watching television. 